Welcome back to another Share Your Light episode. These are our opportunities to share with you people in our listening audience who are stepping more fully into their power, their light, their purpose. They're sharing who they really are. There's often a vulnerability to what people share in these episodes. So thank you for welcoming people into your homes with kindness and, and genuine intent. Uh, today, I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Cheston Cantrell. Cheston's a body worker, energy worker, and mind-body worker. As a body worker, she practices chiropractic, massage therapy, and craniosacral therapy. As an energy worker, she practices Reiki and 13th octave Lahochi. As a mind-body worker, she practices techniques described in her ebook, Revealing Your Diamond, Life Coaching, and Neurolinguistic Programming. She became a master Reiki practitioner in Yusui Siki Raioi in, in 2009. She was pursuing a degree in biology at the time, and her logical and intuitive sides clashed. Watching What the Bleep Do We Know and its extended inversion helped begin a more amicable relationship between her skeptical side and her believer's side. In 2010, she attended chiropractic school and had to shut off that intuitive side while she was in school because going to a body part, because it felt like that's where she needed to go, wasn't going to help her pass her courses. During the next several years, tumultuous events occurred involving the death of a parent, a toxic relationship, a toxic marriage, a toxic divorce, and a failed business. Justin moved back to her hometown in Southwest Virginia, feeling shattered and like she would never heal. She'd lost all faith in herself. This feeling and the abusive relationship she escaped motivated to her to work on herself so that she'd never end up in another relationship like that. And so for the next five years, she worked on herself daily and had friends she traded with. She learned she had many subconscious patterns that formed in her childhood and teen years that led her to unhealthy relationships she had as an adult. One of Cheston's life goals is to help each person she interacts with feel and know that they're miraculous. Their existence is evidence that miracles happen. In her practice, she teaches patients that their body is their best friend and companion while they're on this earthly plane. Another way Cheston tries to help others develop self-love and feel miraculous is through her ebook, Revealing Your Diamond. This ebook provides methods for a person to do their own subconscious or shadow work. It's an ebook she wrote as an act of love for her teenage self because she feels like access to material like this would have put her on her life path faster and more gently. Welcome, Cheston. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me, Denise. I think even what I shared gives people a, a thumbnail picture of you've been through a lot, you've overcome a lot, you've come out on the other side of it. But throughout all of it, woven in throughout your whole story, there's always been that connection with metaphysical, with psychics, with intuition. So I absolutely love when I get to talk to people where both hemispheres light up. Because yeah. I think sometimes when you talk about being a psychic or an intuitive or connected to spirit, people don't give you the credence or think you're intelligent. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Well, and it, I was very lucky that with my family, um, you know, we have accountants, we've got lawyers, there are people in the healthcare field, like nurses, um, doctors, all and uh, insurance in my family. So it's very much a uh, left brain dominated logical and asking multiple questions re regarding anything like any sort of topic it's like okay what do you mean by this and how does this really happen 
And what was really nice as well was that on my mother's side, my grandma was a preacher's kid. I really feel like that brought a level of spirituality into it because she was very much taught like the true teachings of being loving to everybody, looking out for everybody. And she took multiple religious courses over at a local college of all the different religions. And I was really lucky because, you know, when I would talk to her about my spirituality and was like, you know, Christianity doesn't resonate with me. I was really afraid about what she would say and how she would react because, you know, her, some of her proudest moments were, you know, us getting baptized and stuff. And she just looked at me and she goes, Cheston, all paths lead to God. You're a good person. You have a good heart. And what else could I ask for? So I was really lucky to have both that analytical side of what are you talking about? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? But also that loving and following your heart side too in my family. So I, I was very lucky with that. What a beautiful gift for your grandmother to say that and to say it all, it all goes to God. It all is the same place. And, and just doing this interview and writing this book and putting myself more out there, it's, been a very interesting closet to step out of because I don't, I tend to not talk about spirituality. Like the most I'll talk about is that I do feel the body is miraculous. I'll talk about some of that stuff. And for my people who tap into it, like the power of prayer and, and things like that, but I tend to not get into specifics because I am also in an area where some people will say, oh, you're going to hell you know, blah, 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 blah. And I view it as I was like, you know what, if my grandma doesn't think I'm going to, I ain't worried about anybody else's opinion. (laughs) So it really was because to have someone who was so not just faith-based, but she was very intelligent with her studies too. Like she took the time, like her dad graduated from divinity at Yale. So, I mean, yeah, they were very educated in their process too. And so for her to be like, it's all good, then I, I really I don't plug into anybody else's opinion at that point. And I, I do like that saying, what is it? There's that quote that don't take criticism from someone you won't take advice from. So that was very freeing. Too. As a little person, mm-hmm. you would randomly see and hear things. Yeah. So it was more auditory, but I would sometimes see things too. And, and sometimes I'd get information that I just, I didn't understand. Mom said too, that she remembered when I was um, an infant and and my brother was little, that something would kind of hang around us. She wouldn't go into specifics and basically she told the person to leave, I guess. But when I was a kid, especially at night in my room, I would hear this tapping outside my window incessantly. And I was on the second story. There were no trees around. There was nothing around. And it just, it, it was the weirdest thing. But in that regard, I had spoken to my mom about, you know, ghosts and stuff like that and my experiences with it. And she was very accepting of it. And she also said, don't tell anybody. But at the same time, it really was the best advice for where I grew up at. And, you know, I grew up as a codependent little people pleaser. I wanted everybody to love me. And so with my personality, if I had really put it all out there and someone like disliked me for it or said nasty things to me, I it would have shattered my poor little heart at the time because 
you know, like I said, I just, I had all those different um, unhealthy codependent habits. So it, it really did me a favor, but um, in my teen years, it started to come on stronger because I got a tarot card deck at like a local hippie store and things were popping up and I would do little readings for the other teens in the area. And they'd be like, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't freaking know how I knew that. Cause I view the cards. Like I'm not very good about using the exact definitions of cards. I view them as more of like a conduit. And it's more of like, it gives me having that physical thing gives me permission to, I guess, read their energy. So I'll look at the card and be like, well, this is what it means. And then I'll look it up later. It did not mean that but it was accurate for that person. So I'd have that. And I started to get more just knowing things about people. And I couldn't describe how I knew that I was always trying to find God, even as a little kid, I don't know why I was just always that little kid that was always searching. And so when I hit um, my mid teen years, I really started to be, I guess, notice the social patterns or the social expectations in my community. And I really was worried that what I was doing was wrong or it was bad. And then on top of that, mental illness does run in my family. So it's like, oh shit, I'm just crazy. There's no way I could actually be seeing these things. There's no way I could actually be getting this information off of people. So I'm either nuts or just doing something really bad. It was just for three years, luckily that I had shut down, but it, it, it did have a profound effect. It definitely took a while to regain trust with myself. And I do feel that whenever we reject ourselves, it's an imperative relationship to rebuild, but it does take a little bit longer because, you know, the person we're most vulnerable with is ourselves. And it's a very, um, it's not fun when we don't like ourselves. Luckily it only lasted for that amount of time. But, and since then I've been trying to rebuild it through the ups and downs that come with life. You also shared that you had done a seance in your younger years. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. (laughs) So, so when I did the seance, I was, I think I was 11 or 12 and it was a really bad time in my life. My parents had just divorced. My parents were good with each other. It was just a not so great situation, which I don't know any divorce that is in all fairness, but my dad's mom had passed away and I called her nanny and I was devastated because this is a woman that apparently as a kid, I was really fussy about who could hold me. And this woman could just hold me. And I just sit there. Just, I always loved being around her. I loved how she felt and she lived far away from us, but I remember every time we'd go to visit her and just, I always felt very much enveloped with love from her. And so when she passed, I was devastated. I just didn't feel loved. I felt like the one person that I really was connected with was gone. And so a friend of mine, she didn't know much about seance stuff either, but she was like, you know, we, we'd seen enough movies and stuff like that. She was like, Hey, how about we do this? You know, pick a candle that represents your nanny and da, 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 da. So we, you know, created the circle, did the candles and all this stuff. And I think for me, I'm more uh, especially at that time, it was more, what is it? Clear sentient and clear audience. Like I would get feelings, impressions or hear stuff. So I'm sitting there and I 
could hear in my mind this conversation with my nanny and and it and I could feel the warmth and the love and then she was very kind to be like all right well I need to go back because my my grandpa had already passed away too and he passed away decades before she did so she lived a long time without him so she you know she was like well I gotta go back to you know your grandpa I really missed him so you know don't do this again and was very loving about it which I think she did me a favor because she knew I didn't know what the hell I was doing and she's like I gotta keep my granddaughter from not doing some really stupid stuff to try to connect with me and of course at the time I didn't really know enough about mediums and stuff that you don't have to have some fancy seance and all that stuff you can just be like hey family member what's up you know so <laughs> so she did me a favor with that. Absolutely. But unbeknownst to me, I had opened up this portal or vortex, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't know to close the damn thing. And so it was in my bedroom, of course, because it was brilliant. It was until I was probably, I think I was 19 or something that that thing was open. And that's when I really started seeing like, scary stuff. Like, I would open up my eyes and there'd be this dark entity in the bedroom and I'd be like, oh shit. And it freaked me out. So, I mean, that was the time in my life I slept with the lights on but I'm, I'm sensitive to light. Like it wakes me up. So I had, would have to cover my head with a blanket, but sleep with the light on. Cause it freaked me out so badly, but luckily it got closed and I learned my lesson and all that good stuff. But yeah, that was a, one of the times that I got into uh, actively pursuing like seeing spirits and stuff. And it definitely, it definitely deterred me for a little bit, but it was also a good experience in the sense that it taught me the importance about protection. And that was one of the first things that I actually wrote on Amazon. I think it's on Amazon and it's through the Kindle. So someone can get it for free, but it's called spiritual hygiene. I wrote that first because it's all about protection and all that stuff. Cause I was like, man, this is really important. This is the first thing that a person should really know and practice and get familiar with before they go into all the other stuff. So at least, you know, that you're safe. And especially if a person can't really see the stuff or if they can't hear the stuff or they're first gaining their abilities, at least then they know they're protected before they pursue the rest of it. Thank you. I love that you brought that up. So many people open up portals who, without really knowing what they're getting into, and there's a whole lot out there. Your story, your background, all of these things. What do you feel was the biggest catalyst in encouraging you to write your ebook, Revealing the Diamond? It's probably the two aspects. It's that 11, 12-year-old me that I was diagnosed when then with like mild depression. I don't know if I'd still be diagnosed with that now because, you know, it's, it was kind of a catch bucket at the time with it. That was when they were, it seems like they were more talking about that stuff. I was just in such a low place at that time. And thank goodness I have, I had writing. So I'd write out all my feelings and stuff, but I feel like if I had something like this or, or any of the other great books that have been written out, like I'm, it is not just a, about my work. Obviously there are so many amazing books out there, amazing eBooks, amazing hard copies and, and things like that. And, and God bless YouTube now, right. And podcasts. So, I mean, it is, thankfully it's a very different world now. I feel like if I had all these different books, materials, podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever have you, that it would have been way different, the results pretty much from there. Cause that was the first time I was motivated to really start looking into 
all this stuff with being psychic, with the medium stuff, with energy work stuff. And even, I didn't realize that at the time, of course, cause you know, empath wasn't, I never really heard about being empathic until over the recent five years or maybe decade or so. So it would have made a huge difference with understanding myself. Now, with the second part that really got my ass in gear was being in an abusive relationship and leaving that abusive relationship because I never wanted to be in that situation again. And I mean, I didn't want a partner like that. I didn't want friends like that. I didn't want um, patients like that. I don't want anybody like this in my life. So what can I do to fix this? And also writing the book was a way to show, I guess, myself that I accepted what I went through, but also accepted what I can do and accepted as that it is valid and that whether it's placebo effect, who the hell cares? Like, I feel a lot better. I'm doing a lot better. And so I'm good with it either way. So those probably both of those situations, like in my teen years, as well as going through a very bad relationship, definitely motivated me to write this because before this, I mean, I like, I like writing trashy paranormal fiction books. I was not interested ever in writing nonfiction, but I just kept feeling this push to do it. So I wrote it in segments. I'd write a little bit and then put it down. And then I'd write a little bit and put it down as I was having epiphanies about my life. And I would just, cause I, I do like journaling at the end of the day. So I would just make a note of it. Yeah. And actually it was when I had a reading done from you and that, gosh, that was back in like 2021. It was oh yeah, the universe is telling me I need to do this. So it's not going to let up until I actually do this thing. So let me get it done to appease them. So. <laughs> and that's a really good point because I, I'll say that to people. It's going to keep coming back until you do it. If you're really, really meant to do this, spirit will keep bringing it back, keep bringing it back. And what I love, love, love about your book. And I, I just want to share this really quickly because it touched my heart. You, you have the medical disclaimers, all of those things. You share your history. But then there's this one right at the very beginning. You said, this book is dedicated to the ones who never want to ask for help, who trudge through life feeling alone, who feel like they're an outsider, who feel like nothing will ever get better. I promise you that you're worthy of being treated with love and respect. You're worthy of asking for help. You're worthy of receiving help. You are a gift. You are a miracle. You are enough as you are at this moment. Thank you for existing. Holy shit, girl. I I tear up every time I read that because that's the point of this book. And you break it down into these beautiful, you talk about boundaries, you talk about philosophy, you talk about how to refill your cup, not to expand it, not to empty yourself out. You talk about vibration. There is so much information packed into this. So this is an odd question, but what do you feel? Because it you cover, I, I mean, I can't explain enough how much is covered in this in this beautiful writing. And and I mean this with absolute love and respect. You're a damn good writer because okay. we have a lot of people that are putting things out in the world, and I get upset. <laughs> I get very judgy. I get very judgy of you know why would you think that? that anyway, I'm going to stop before I dig a bigger hole. What was the most vulnerable part? in the book for you to share? Because you're a very educated person. You work in a medical field. You have the energy work background, but you have that other aspect. So when you get into the woo-woo, 
Yeah, um, actually probably doing all the charts, especially the charts that dealt with things like curses or things like clearing people's homes and, and things like that. Um, dealing with horoscope stuff. I, I like all that stuff. I mean, that's, and I, I believe they all have merit and that there are things to that. That's why, you know, I've, I've put it in there, but yeah, that was probably for putting it out there that I can't determine who gets that information. Like I can't control who sees that and who sees that part of me. Those type of charts were probably the most vulnerable was acknowledging all of all that sort of stuff. And that, that like, and going into detail, explaining each one, like defining them and stuff like that. Oh, damn. She, she obviously believes a little, a little bit more of, about this. And, and I actually, I I'm trying to do more blogs on the website part. And I actually went into a, I did a blog. My most recent one is like prayers and curses and how they're two sides of the same point. So really getting into that stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really, I'm really putting myself out there <laughs> with it. And I know, I know that some people, you know, it's like, well, what's the big deal? Like, da, da, da. but it's like you said, that background of, and I will say, I love my skeptical side. I didn't, when I was younger, I used to wish that I had that ability to have just full faith and not question things. I have loved ones in my life who are just totally faith-based. And I was, I, I can't tap into that the way that they can. As the years have gone on, I love and appreciate that skeptical side and that critical side and that one that asks all those questions because, you know, and I, I know that y'all have talked about this before that in, in every profession, in every group, you got 1% of them who are jerks, who do take advantage, who are the cult leaders or the dogma, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very grateful for that, that skeptical side of me that is like, wait, what's really going on here? And I know that for me, put in the bio, the, what the bleep do we know, like seeing all those experiments and, and reading more about quantum physics and stuff like that, it really helped me make peace with all of that stuff and then self-work with I don't have to know all the answers I don't have to be a know-it-all I don't have to understand stuff I can just be like well it works and the side effects it doesn't seem to have side effects so that's how I've made more peace with with things I can't explain and also I've built up my faith base a little bit more I don't know how this works but shit it works and you know what maybe one day I'll understand it and I may never understand it. And that's okay. I'm just going to keep keep going on with it. Another reason I think the timing, because I we had talked about doing this a long time ago, and then your name popped into my head. And I thought, I have to reach out and see if this is, if she'll still come on and do this with me. But when you think about how divinely orchestrated it has been with where people are right now, where the energy in the world is with We've gone through the last couple of years releasing trauma, pulling out that taproot, healing from grief. And now it's time people have done some of the work. They want to do more of the work. We're ending those cycles. We're ending it with ourselves. And this energy of, of right now, these big transitions that are happening astrologically are, are increasing. They're increasing that energy of no more. And yeah. you and I both have talked with people over the years that they, and I've done it, so I'm not casting judgment with this. You keep bringing in the same people over and over, same person, different face. And then all of a sudden it's like a big head thunk. And you say, what the hell 
is wrong with me that I'm still doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of techniques in your book that will help people face that shadow and say, have I gone through, have I put myself through this long enough to say I'm done with it? I hope that people feel empowered from it. And I do have a part in the book that talks about neutrality and I go a little bit more into it in, in a blog as well that I did that I called it aim for average, because I know that for me, I like, there was a time in my life, I sincerely hated myself. Like I didn't like myself and anybody who said that they liked me, I questioned their uh, sanity. Cause I'm like, why, why do you want to be my friend? There must be something wrong with you. Cause I don't want to be my friend. And if I had had people saying, well, just love yourself, I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? And so, (laughs) yeah, so it's one of those. And, and I do feel like that was part of it. The reason why, I mean, I didn't, once I moved back, I was just so desperate to not be in a bad situation again, that I was willing to have my friends help me. But before that, like, I really, I would try therapy off and on, but it just, I didn't like it. And when I look back on it, it's because I really didn't think I was worth the time. I didn't feel like, you know, that I would do anything. Like I just, I felt so poorly about myself that I really didn't want to reach out to anybody. And so when I started working with myself and of course working with others, but I actually got to the point, oh, okay, now I'm ready to actually get professional help. And it made it a better experience. It attracted me to a therapist who was super awesome too, because my viewpoints of getting better and things like that improved. It lined me up with a person who could help prove that to be true, that, you know, you can get better and, and therapy is wonderful when you have the right person or, or really any of, any of the modalities, I would say that for anybody who has a bad experience with the modality, you know, it could just be that they and that practitioner aren't compatible. So don't give up on it, you know, look for someone else, finding that practitioner that jives with you, that makes you feel better about yourself or that you feel empowered. Like when you leave, you feel strong and not that type of relationship where it's like, Oh, I can't go on without them. But that relationship where it's kind of like, you feel like you're being taught independence if they're teaching you how to stand on your own two feet. Really giving people the skills and strength to be able to look at the, to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and say, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I love, love that you brought up that you tried therapy a few times and instead of just saying, nope, doesn't work for me, you stuck with it and found someone that really matched you and matched your your vibration. And, And I think that that applies to whether you're going to a therapist, an intuitive, a medium, a chiropractor, a nurse practitioner. It's so, so important to find someone that matches your vibration, that really empowers you to look in the mirror and feel better about yourself. Many, many people seem to be lowering the drawbridge a little bit right now to say, okay, I'm ready to let people get a little bit closer. I'm ready to be a little vulnerable and let people know that uh, there was this, this beautiful, beautiful, stunning young woman that I knew years ago. Like, oh my goodness, I, I knew her family, everything. And she had tattooed on, she didn't tell anybody. And she went and got a tattoo, just a tiny little script tattoo on her left shoulder that in the back that said broken. And her father saw it and got very, very upset. And she just 
I remember the look on her face and she said, but that's how I felt. But I, I just thought so many of us are feeling broken or we've been broken and we're trying to, um, to, to repair that, to move forward here and now. And I think that that's so, so, so vital. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like the past two or three years, it's brought out a lot of issues. I, and of course it, it caused issues as well. It's not, not to discredit the levity of everything that happened and how serious the pandemic was. It's also that, you know, there was a rise of domestic violence incidences, but why? It's because they were actually in the house together. People could not leave. And the, I, I would say that those dynamics probably were already un, unhealthy. It just made it worse. And I feel like for the pandemic, for people when they were being isolated, well, if you already don't like your company, if the person doesn't like themselves anyway, then being trapped alone, which isolation is never a good thing for such extended extended periods of times, but to be isolated like that, stuck with someone that they felt like they didn't like themselves. I'm just grateful so many people, it seems like are identifying, hey, that's not a great way to feel about myself because It's not. We're our best friends. We're the person that we're going to be with for the rest of our lives on this earthly plane. And it's so wonderful, again, that all this information is coming out of childhood traumas, childhood patterns. So much more is coming out about fight or flight mode, being in sympathetic mode, being in that survival mode, and how a lot of the patterns that we're exhibiting as adults, they were formed before we were like seven years old. That was our reality. It didn't make it true, but that's what we learned. So it's beautiful to see people explore that. And it's nice to see that people are taking responsibility for correcting this stuff while not shaming themselves for the fact that the stuff is there. I hope I put, you know, portrayed that well in in the ebook stuff is that for any of this stuff or anything that comes up for a person, anything that's revealed, it's not meant to be judgmental. Like if a person has pattern of hating their loved ones or whatever, that there's a subconscious belief that, you know, I hate my loved ones or something that to not judge themselves for it, they may have seen a nasty interaction when they were younger, that five-year-old child saw loved ones yelling at each other, but they may not have seen the, the resolution of that issue. So they're like, well, crap, this is how love is. This is how you're supposed to express it. Or I don't want to be around that. It's nice to see that people are stepping away from self blame with it. It's acknowledging, Hey, this is, this is here and I need to address it, but moving away from, Oh, like you were saying, the woman with the tattoo that said broke, there shouldn't be shame with that. Like one, it means something isn't an empowering thing or a disempowering thing, because there are times where, yeah, like there are times that I'll see a word and I'll be like, woo it does not resonate in a good place for me, but for them, it may be like, Oh no, this powers me. And then it, is there anything I can do to help? And if not, that's cool. But is there anything that I can do to help maybe make the person feel a little less, at least supported while they're going through their own repair? That's an incredibly important point in perception. What might have been really traumatic and life-altering for me, for someone else that might have been, oh, that's just Tuesday. We can't, so we can't measure our own grief, our own trauma, our own pain, loss against someone else's. 
because it is an individual experience. And even siblings in the same home aren't going to have the same experience growing up. We're going to internalize it on a different level. We all have our individual thumbprint, our own in energy, personal opinion. And I'm not coming from a, you know, a medical or trained back uh, point of, with this, but background with this. But I feel like it's so interwoven with nature, nurture, environment, um, you know, how we perceive things. Are you really highly sensitive in a place where you weren't, that wasn't acknowledged? Are you in a, a strong religious background? There, there's just so much. And when you think about all that being piled on a little person, trying to figure out how, how do I navigate this world that I'm not really comfortable with? And, you know, thank you for bringing up the, the increase in um, domestic abuse and violence during the pandemic because it's a very insidious topic that most people I've ever talked to who have ended up in that situation are strong, vital, intelligent, just powerful people. And it's been chipped away. They've been chipped away at for so long that they lose that, that sense of self. And I yeah. think what you're saying is it's never too late to regain that sense of self and put the pieces back together in a better mm -hmm. way. Yeah, at any time they can, and and it's not to discredit how they're feeling, because I mean, there could be someone listening to this that's like, you're full of shit, like there's no way that I'll ever be put back together, or there's no way that I'm worth, you know, there's no, this person has to be right in what they're saying about me. Um, so it's not to discredit that. I, I can only talk about my personal situation. I mean, when I first moved back home, I remember I, I really sat with how broken I felt internally and how poorly I felt about myself when I was sitting on the steps about to compose like a two sentence email. So it wasn't even a big email and it wasn't a professional one. And I sat there and questioned myself, is this even written? Well, does this make sense? And I realized, holy shit, I'm stressing about sending a two sentence email that in the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter, but it was all of the, those years, it just came compounding on me that, like you said, that being chipped away, I didn't realize how bad it had gotten something that really helped me with my healing. And by, by no means, I am not a professional therapist or any of that stuff. And this does not apply to anybody else. It may apply to no one else. So, you know, I just want to preface that this helped me. And this is what I had to acknowledge for myself was that I, when I, moved back, you know, I had people telling me, oh, you were the victim, victim, victim. I didn't resonate well with that term. And the other part was for the verbal stuff, for the nasty things that were said to me, it was my mom who was like, you know, you survived this and stuff, but you know, how could they do that? And it was not your fault. And I just looked at her and I said, my partner never said, anything out loud that I had not already felt about myself. All they did was reaffirm all of the negative things I had been saying about myself since I could remember. And yeah, and the look on her face was like, holy shit. And it's not, should they have said that? No, hell no, they shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have treated me like that. They should have been like, oh, these are your insecurities. Let me get you this heavy quilt and some hot tea. And, you know, <laughs> they should have been very soothing and loving and stuff like that. So it does not discredit or it doesn't take away from the fact that they were 
a jerk about it, that they were cruel about it, that, you know, they were a bully about it and, and things like that. They weren't being a true friend at the same time. It doesn't take away from how I was treating myself. And like I said, that helped me and it felt very empowering because, well, I can change this. I can identify the patterns that are unhealthy that I'm subconsciously got programmed and I can alter these. That style, it may not resonate with everybody and it may not work for other people. And I, I do apologize to anybody who feels, feels hurt by that, that, like I said, it, if it doesn't resonate, it doesn't apply to you. That was just, for me, that was when I felt like I was taking a step for myself in the right direction. And I, it was like, okay, well, I'm this, I'm this shattered thing, but at least I, I got tools to help rebuild myself. So that, that was my personal experience. It's, it's a very individual process and journey with healing, but finding any tools, any techniques, anything that will help you to look at yourself again in the mirror and smile rather than cringe. I think that's the answer. It might be a really simplistic way of saying it, but anything that is going to address the double guessing, the worry, the stress, it wears you down over time. Is that how we really want to spend our time here on the planet? Just feeling less or apologizing or or constantly making amends. A lot of people don't realize how much credence we give to that. I I feel like for those who grew up in that, um, and and typically per- perfectionism and stuff like that, it does deal with insecurity of you know, and and that was something I had to make peace with is like. I always, I always wanted to be smart. Like I wanted to be seen as intelligent, but now it's like, you know what, if I don't know something, that's cool. You know, I can just be like, I don't know. I can decide whether I research it or not. Or it's like, there may be information that at one point, according to the research, it was true. And now it's not. And letting go of that sort of stuff. Cause yeah, a lot of people don't, they're not at what is it? They don't mind that stuff. It's not a big deal. It tends to be more of a big deal, at least for me, when I was so much a perfectionist, it was way bigger deal to me than it was to anybody else. Everybody else was cool, man. Like it's all good. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, what? This is not the, this is not the response I was expecting. What's going on here? Where, where can people find you? Where can they find a copy of your ebook? So if they would like the ebook or to read like the blog posts and, and things like that, they can go to chestincantrell.com. If they wanted for whatever reason to schedule a session with me, whether it's they happen to be in the area and want body work done or with energy work, it can be done in person or remotely. Or if they wanted, if there's maybe a topic that's a little bit too sensitive in the Revealing Your Diamond book or something like that, that they would like someone else to take part in, they can find me at newdaychiropractic.com. And like I said, there's online booking for that. So if they wanted a remote, I would just ask you, I think there's an option, just put remote in it. So I know what's going on. If they have more questions within the book itself, the material or things like that, I would ask that they email me at chestincantrell at gmail.com just so that way I can either respond to them or incorporate it in a blog post or something like that. But any like questions about the material or anything like that, I would ask that they would 
email from um, chestincantrell at gmail.com. I'll put all of this information in the show notes. Thank you so very much for sharing this today. Helping people to face shadow work that may be limiting their self-expression, but also providing tools and techniques for becoming healthier in mind, body, and spirit. Please find your way to checking out Revealing Your Diamond. It's well-written and such a gift. And Cheston, you're absolutely a gift. Thank you. You're a gift too. <laughs> we are all miraculous. I love that you use that. that, well, that and, people are miraculous. And I do hope that everybody understands that. Cause I know, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, well, you know, we've got how many eight, 9 billion. I, I don't know the numbers people that exist in the universe, but it's so freaking hard to, you know, to exist. And I, I feel like we don't give the fact that we show up in this physical form enough credit. It's like, I mean, look at all the other planets we have in just this one solar system. Yet we're the only ones that, I mean, well, depending on who you talk to, like we're one of the only ones that have life inhabited there. And then look at all the different solar systems out there and not, not every planet is inhabitable. And, you know, we were just the right combination of whatever that allowed us to exist. I mean, it is miraculous. And then I know in, in my line of work as a body worker, I see time and time again, I mean, how cool is it that our body heals? I know we don't always feel that way, but for the most part, you know, we're able to recover. Um, I'm always in all of it. And I hope I always feel that way. I know I'll need a lot of work the time that I'm not in awe of how amazing people are, how resilient how they are, how kind people are. That's what I've noticed too in doing all this work is that it sounds weird to say, but it, it makes me want, like I have friends that I tell them, I'm like, y'all made me want to give people another chance. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, and like y'all's podcast, it was like, okay, I'm going to give people another chance. There are so many amazing people in this world. I mean, everybody's miraculous, whether they feel it or not. And, and I do hope that anybody who's listening, they at least, you know, give it a little bit of a chance, like maybe say it to themselves a little bit. Cause they are like, everybody is. I'm a huge, huge believer in the mind-body connection mm -hmm. between with healing, with releasing. When you've worked with people over continuous, like a, a continuum of time, and they start to release this trauma and grief, do you see a huge difference in their physical health as well? Ab absolutely. And with that said, I mean, there's, you know, that's not to negate for people who have chronic illnesses who have been doing the work. It's not to say that everything goes away, but maybe things are, maybe symptoms are just a little bit better. Like I have people who aren't chronically ill, but they just feel a little bit better. Like it's gotten a little bit better. It may have gone from like a nine to a seven, but that's still a win. So it's, it's not to say that, you know, everybody's going to be jump up and down, like, ah, you know, the, the angel music comes on and all that sort of stuff. I think that's fair to say either because life, life is too weird. I view any condition, whether it's physical or mental or spiritual, it's a pie chart of what's causing it. And everybody's pie chart is different. So for some of it may be more physical. If you get sideswiped by a car or something. I mean, that's a physical trauma. Now, whether there's some spiritual stuff going on of whatever have you, there could be, but at the end of the day, the car did some damage. And, but I have noticed, which I, I do tend to do more body work stuff. And so 
what I tend to phrase it as is stress instead. I find out a person's stress levels. I ask them like how stressed you are on a scale of zero to 10. And I see a huge difference if a person handles stress better and if their life isn't as stressful, they do tend to recover better than a person who has high stress levels and is feeling chronic stress and also doesn't know what to do with all that stress if they don't have stress management skills. And for all of the empaths out there, I recommend for your loved ones, call it stress. I've noticed that people don't want to necessarily talk about emotions, but they'll talk about stress. So it's like, hey, it feels like you're a little bit extra stressed out right now. Well, you know what, now that you mentioned it, I am versus, oh, I'm sensing that you're angry right now. They may be like, oh no, like mm -mm, we are not going there. But yes, to answer your question, yes, I do notice a difference. Well, and I mean that mind, body, spirit, I do notice if a person improves in one area, it does change the other factors to some degree. And that's kind of one of the reasons that I offer all of them to at some level in my practices, because I was like, well, just kind of throw it out there. All right, whatever, whatever a person needs, if they're coming to me, then they're giving me permission to help assist them. Like I'm not, I'm not doing any of the healing. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Whether you want to call it that I'm being a witness or a facilitator or just being present for them, however you want to phrase it. I'm honored by that. And so I'm one of those that whatever is going to help them improve, whether it's doing like, I have people who solely want energy work. They don't want to get into the physical stuff. And then I have others that only want the physical stuff. They don't want to get into the energy work stuff. And for each one, I'm just grateful that, you know, that they're trusting me enough to, to put themselves in, you know, to, to allow me to be part of their journey for however long they decide. But that, that's why all the different ones. Yeah. Everything, everything that you've shared today, it's coming from that place of you can always make a choice, no matter how subtle, no matter how small to improve your quality of life. Absolutely. Well, and I feel like for for people, it is, they feel like it's an all or none thing. So going to the physical, because I do, I do think sometimes that's the easiest one to give examples of. In my line of work as a, as a body worker, I like to recommend stretches. I only pick one or two because I understand lucky if they'll do that much. And I just tell them, I'm like, look, if you remember to do it once in that week and you only do it one time, it is a win. Heck, if you just think about it, you didn't even do it, but you thought about stretching. That is a win. And it's so amazing because I'll have people that'll do like one stretch the entire week and they're like, you're not going to believe this, but it did make somewhat of a difference. Obviously a different level of difference than if they had stretched every day, but it still makes a difference. And I feel like um, we don't give enough credit to those little changes. Like you're talking about those little bits, it does go a long way. And so, you know, all of it's a celebration. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Those little bits, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how it's all wonderful, whatever a person can do, whatever a person is willing to do. I mean, they could, they don't even have to read the, you know, the book, like go to the beneficial beliefs chart and look at a belief that it's like, well, I don't think I feel that way about myself. Like they don't even have to do the muscle testing stuff. You know what I mean? I think that's the other thing too, is that for any of this stuff, like it, it doesn't have to be so methodical. I just wrote it that way. Cause I was, well, what if someone asked this? Well, what if someone asked this? So I was trying to make it as 
packed as I could for any potential questions or it's like, well, what if they don't want to look up somewhere else, how to do muscle testing or pendulum? I was like, okay, well, let me do a very, very, very basic description of this. But for someone who's, I just want to start, but I don't want to focus on all that stuff. They can go to the part where I think it's the crossy cross part, the position to help with integrating the information, or, I mean, they can even do, it's called cross crawl, where you bring opposite hand to opposite knee. So they can just stand there and march, bringing the right hand to the left knee and vice versa, or they can just sit with their wrist crossed. It does not matter. It's all about getting the brain can like the frontal lobe. Yeah. It's that crossing that midline and it's getting the frontal lobe connected to the emotional side because it's bringing the calm to the inner part of us that maybe having a tantrum or whatever have you, and just pick an affirmation that they like. I mean, they can start with, I feel neutral about myself. They can feel, you know, I'm smart. I'm worthy of love. Like they don't have to go through the rest of it. And of course they don't even need to do this book. I described how to do it how to do some of those things in the aim for average blog. Like it describes ways that people can integrate the information so they can just go to that and then pick out whichever affirmations that they're like, I like this, but I don't know if I even believe this or not do that. And you can just pick one and do that one for the rest of your life. It's still all beautiful. I, I do feel like the energy, our intention, if your intention is to show yourself love, it does not matter how you do it. You know, the universe is going to move to it's just figuring out what's the way in for each person. And for every person, it's different. For some people, the way in is through body work that works for them. For some people, the way in is through more emotional stuff. You know, it's just finding that way into that person. Giving people this plethora of information and choices is the epitome of empowerment. And you can see what works for you. It's fun because you can jump around. You can in the book and say, oh, what about this? What about this? And yeah. some things don't resonate. And other things are just like, holy shit, how did she know this? Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank I did a you, lot Chuck. of praying while writing this. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> thank you again for this special time together. And anyone who's listening and would like more information, please visit chestincantrell.com. The ebook is Revealing Your Diamond. And please remember that there's something you can do to step more fully into your power, your light, and your purpose. Think about what you may be able to bring to someone else's life and help them step up. We're all here to help each other out. Thank you again for listening. Take care.